Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, a podcast wherein I interview performers, promoters, fans and most especially comedians about what comedy actually is and what it means to them, through shows they've seen, through their own experiences or if they wish, through expressive dance, although I appreciate that might not work on an audio medium. I love talking to the people in comedy about comedy and if you like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. Like most of the creatives I talk to, my guest this episode has a glorious CV of acting, presenting, singing, dancing, but above all for me, she's a musical comedian, one with a joyous, upbeat personality and positive outlook that helped her get all the way to the semi-finals of this year's Britain's Got Talent. It is, of course, Abby Carter-Simpson. So, Abby, you're a singer, actress, presenter, comedian, primary school teacher. (laughs) Where do you find yourself where do you sit are you a teacher who does comedy are you a musician who acts it's an interesting question actually I, I know I was listening to that, that sort of jack of all trades master of <laughs> master of all of them I'm gonna say um, so no um so I'd say um so I started off as um as an actor so I when I was younger I used to just I just loved musicals mm. like it was just a bit of me and I know it's a real sort of a divided room I know some people are like oh, honestly I just get them off but when <laughs> I was little I just I just loved it I used to just listen to sort of all like the old 1950s and 60s musicals back all to the 1930s my grandfather's a massive influence in both my comedy and my um, musical theatre love and he was always used to sing sort of musicals to me and that kind of thing yeah. so from there I was like, right, I just want to, I want to be on stage. That's it. That's all I want to do. Um, so I went to went to drama school, trained mm-hmm. in musical theatre. So that was about thirteen years ago now. Um, and then it was just a progression from there. So I was an actor all the way, acting, musician, singer, and everything, um, mm-hmm. up until just for COVID, about twenty seventeen, and that's yeah. where I started doing comedy. Um, because it was a strain, strain, strain. It wasn't a strain or anything. It was a strand. <laughs> it was a strand of performing. It was a strand of performing. So I'd never, I'd never done before. But I'd always been doing sort of like comedic roles and sketch comedy mm. and that kind of thing. So I was like, right let's let's give it a go and the beautiful thing about comedy I find especially from an acting background yeah. is that you can absolutely 100% be yourself on stage whatever you determine that self to be obviously is an extension of yourself because yeah. um, you wouldn't want to give all of yourself away on stage or maybe you would um, <laughs> but it's 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 that thing and I think that's one of the, the the main parts of acting that I found really hard in terms of the rejection side right. was that you know it's oh you're not at the at the time for me personally everyone's journey is different but for me personally it was like oh you're not this enough or you're not something else enough so to go on stage and to be right this is me I can say what I want to say Hmm. and that was completely freeing for me um so I would say that's a really good question I'd say I'm all of it yeah because I because I, I, I trained, I'm a, I'm a very new teacher. I actually trained as a teacher during COVID. So I'm 31 now. So I am slightly, I'm slightly late to the game. Um, but it was, it was a beautiful thing that came out of COVID because mm. I was incredibly, I was lost. Like I just didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Um, and so I started working as a TA. Yeah. Um, and then from there, they said to me, would you like to train as a teacher? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I did my first year in year six last year. Um, and then I've 
I've, I've turned, I've transformed into the music teacher um, <laughs> this year, which is nice because again, it's going back to all of the stuff that I actually sort of trained in and I'm incredibly passionate about. I think music and performing is like what young people should have every single day if they can, yeah. because it's completely life-changing for confidence and all that kind of thing. So I do believe in life, you can be as many things as you want to be. You don't have to pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. And at some point, you'll be able to make them all work in harmony. It's just trying to find out how that actually works. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful introduction because you've you've brought up so many things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show, Abby. It's been real. <laughs> and sort of like teased away in there. Um, one thing that I often look to, like to talk about, and you mentioned about an acting background, and then you talked yeah. about comedically being it being freeing, being yourself. Because of an acting background, do you find yourself portraying Abby, the character on stage? Or how much are you playing a role that is that is a stage abby yeah i think um when i first started out mm. and i think it it's probably the same with like quite a lot of comics if you look back, I mean, I don't think I have any old videos anymore, which I'm quite <laughs> upset about because they were a real treat for the ears and eyes. Um, <laughs> but I think when you first start out, you re well, me personally, I mm. really sort of heightened everything. Right. So even, you know, just sort of listening to your voice, I was like, I don't think I don't normally sound like that. And I think that was the sort of acting background coming in. I was like, right, I'm sort of playing this character. Right. But I think one of the one of the hardest parts of comedy is finding your natural voice on stage mm. and being able to say jokes that have punchlines, but they sound like you're saying it for the first time. And I guess that's one of the, the same sort of similarities with acting is this if you're a good actor and if you're a stage actor and you're doing the same show eight shows a week mm. you want the audience to see a show this is what we were always told you want the audience to watch a show that looks like that's the first time you've ever performed it you right. don't want to go to the theatre and watch someone looking like they've done this for like two years you want it to be like a unique experience um, right. so I think that has absolutely come with time um, so I've I mean, in the grand schemes of comedy, I'm still relatively, relatively new to scene. I've been going since, like, as I said, like sort of 2017, 2018. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that I'm, over the last probably like two years, I'm finally just, I am pretty much me on stage. And I think that comes with a sort of, let's just see what happens attitude. Yeah. You know, let's just go and see. And, you know, the audience are on your side. The audience want to have a good time. The audience want to have fun. Yeah. And I think sometimes you can get really in your own head and be like, oh, what if I'm this or what if I'm... It's like they're, they're not here to... Sometimes it feels in comedy clubs like they're there to sort of go, right, you know, <laughs> this wasn't very good. But actually, they're out on a Friday night. They've paid money. They want to be They want to be insane. They want to be enjoyed. So as soon as you realise that mm. and you go, right, if I have a good time they'll have a good time and then something that comes out of that as well as well is being able to recreate that even if maybe personally you're not having such a great day right do you know what I mean because yeah. that's one of the I think that's one. So if you had an awful day you're not feeling too good it's trying to like dig deep and go right okay switch on yeah. because I'm quite my style of comedy is is myself which is very energetic and very sort of I am a very like 
I hate saying the word smiley because it makes me sound like, oh, she's so smiling. <laughs> but I am sort of, I am sort of that kind of person anyway. So mm. it would be weird. I, I think if I was playing a character, sort of, of doing more character comedy, I'd be going on stage and being incredibly sort of deadpan. Um, and that's that's not that's not me. So they do see the most of me on stage, I would say. Yeah. So at what point did comedy come into it then? Because obviously you talked about acting and performance. At what yeah. point did you, you turn around and say, well, okay, I'm, I, I want to be more funny than straight acting? Yeah, so I um, when I was at drama school, mm. I would always be cast as like the comedic roles right. in sort of the third year. You wouldn't in third year drama school, you do a load of like, um, full performances, musicals, mm. and you do them in theatres and then they basically invite cast and directors and agents and that's how you try and get signed basically before you leave. Right. Um, and I remember like in the third year, I would always play these comedy roles, but for some reason in most of the musical theatre that we did, all of these comedy roles were sort of like old alcoholic sort of Broadway do you know what I mean so they just put sort of put me in like an ill-fitting wig and be like oh that's fine you know and then and then I and then I left and realized like I was 21 when I left and I looked incredibly young for my age I think my first audition was for um my first audition was uh, it was like a think big I thought life was going to be like this afterwards and then it went <laughs> not that so I, my first ever audition was you know the Into the Woods film the Disney film yes, yeah. so that was my first ever audition out of drama school wow. and then um, I was up for uh, the part of Little Red and I don't know if you've seen the film but she's actually played by an eight year old <laughs> um, so I remember rocking up to the audition like with my sort of my singing music in my hand and I was like oh god I was so excited and I walked in and it was literally me a load of eight year olds and their mums and I was like what's going on and I went in there was this American woman and she was like yeah we're just sort of like seeing which way we're gonna go and I was like when I saw the film I was like well they obviously they went yeah. with the child but so I <laughs> I, look, I look very young so then all of a sudden when you go into the industry you get you get a playing age mm. I would be I would be playing a 55 year old at 21 and I'd be playing maybe a 17 to 21 year old and um, so it was sort of trying to trying to navigate that and then in 2017 I did 2016 sorry um I, I picked up the ukulele yeah um Actually, again, because um, of something called, um, there's like actimizos, actimusicians. Mm -hmm. So when you're at drama school, when I was there, I learned to tap, jazz, ballet, that whole triple threat thing. And then we (laughs) left and actimusicians became a massive thing. And so you'd done all this stuff and they were like, great. And what instrument do you play? (laughs) And I was like, I don't, I don't play one. Great. So I, I picked up the ukulele because I won't lie, it is. I don't want to, you know, do a disservice to myself, but it's the easiest instrument to play. Um, <laughs> four strings, they're made of nylon, it's not difficult. Um, and so that's how I learned how to do that. So then I started writing my own songs, just sort of a bit of creativity. Um, and I've always loved Victoria Wood. She's like, I used to go yeah. and watch that growing hair. So that sort of gave me inspiration. And then I did a show called News Review, yes. um, which is. Uh, a staple um, in Edinburgh every year. It's been going for like I, I don't how, I don't know how long it's been going for, but it's been literally yeah, going long decades. Time. Yeah, really long time. Years, something like um, that. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I did that in London, and then I did the run in Edinburgh. Yeah, and I just got the bug after that. Just hearing the like sort of laughter coming from things I'd written because I wrote loads of parody songs, and the the four people who do the show yeah. and the director um, and sort of the writers 
you, you get stuff sent in, but most of it comes from you. Yeah. So after that, I was like, this is, I absolutely love, I love it. And I think also as well, you know, the initial, the immediate reaction of laughter. Yeah. You just know straight away if something's working. Yeah. Whereas in the acting profession, you could go to an audition, think you smashed it, and then you don't hear back ever again. <laughs> <laughs> They can say you're, you're so wonderful and you've got, I've got this in the bag. I've already spent the money. This is amazing. And then you're like, no, I've heard absolutely nothing back. So, and, and it's just something I just, I just loved it. I just, it just was like such an open of opening of a world for me. And you know, the fact that living in London, all of a sudden I was like, yeah. I can just, I can just go on online. I can just contact someone. I can get five minutes in a pub somewhere and I can stand on the stage, whatever that stage may be. And I can just, I can say things that I've written yeah. and I just, I, I just absolutely loved it. I just thought it was great. And then, yeah, that's just something that I've always, and, and it's yeah. also, it's a massive, um, it's, it is really hard. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It isn't as in terms of like, it's not, you have to really, really work at it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, to, yeah. to get results. And I think that's it as well. It's not just like, right, I'm going to, this comes really easily. I'm going to go and do it. And then that's it. So yeah. it's, you, you, you put in the time into creating and then seeing what it get, what it gives you. Mm. I just think it's, it's, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, earlier, you said you used the word smiley. I like to say uh, joyful, uplifting. Love it. So were you mindful going in that you wanted to write things that were positive messages, that you wanted to write uplifting songs? Um, I don't, do you know what? I, I think it's always just been, like you said, sort of just like my personality. I like being silly. Mm. I like... I like silliness. That's what I like. Um, and so mm. I also think that words hold a lot of weight. And mm. it's all about your own sort of personal personal journeys. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and like when I was sort of, when I was younger and that kind of thing, I um, I think I would probably have wanted to hear someone mm. doing, you know, a positive message or, or making a positive message but funny at the same time because I am also like on stage um I'm, mm -hmm. I'm quite self-deprecating at times that's sort of like mm -hmm. a, a stuff that I do on stage um but as sort of as I've gotten older I just like talking about things or subjects that we can all relate to yeah and sort of just find the funniness in life and in normality, mm. I think that's a really nice thing to do. Just like the mundane yeah. is just, it can have a really, a really funny spin. I mean, um, on Britain's Got Talent, obviously I did the, the, the two songs and I, I thought for that, that particular gig, mm. I wanted to do something that would, like you said, it like send a message yeah. because especially the princess song, mm. I wrote that specifically for the show because again, it was something that, Growing up, I, I've always thought that, and I thought, right, if if now's the time, now's the time to do it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so when I got given that opportunity, I was like, right, this is just a, this is a moment, and and I can, I can write something that hopefully will not just because things like it's a family show, right? Yeah. So you don't. I wanted to make sure that even if like if a, a child was watching and that's probably from becoming a teacher as well, yeah. you know, they're watching it. So I was like, right, if I can, if I can not only um, 
sort of connect with the adults, the parents who are watching it, because it is mostly families who watch it. If I can also, you know, connect with, with a child sitting there who might be having a rubbish time at school or might not quite know who they are or that kind of thing, if if mm. that two and a half minutes on stage yeah. not only make them laugh, but also make them think, oh, okay, yeah, I'm yeah. going to go out tomorrow and I'm going to be a fabulous human, then then good, do you know? Yeah. So that's sort, of, that's sort of why I did that. So you wrote that specifically for that appearance? Yeah, I'd, I'd had the idea. Right. I'd had the idea for ages. And then I sort of, once I got through the first round, I had like four different ideas. And that one I just sort of like stuck with. So I wrote it and then I was just sort of like doing it around every time I had a gig. I'd just sort of do it at the end. And it was getting good reception. And also right. as well, like... Obviously, like the chorus is quite sort of like you know you can be if you want to be. So I can see sometimes it'd be like, why should sing this like this Friday Saturday night? Everyone's just like forget about their you know forget about their lives and just laugh about about silly silly stuff. And there's me like you know go be yourself, be amazing. So there's me like oh god, what's she banging on about? What's she banging on about? Um, but yeah, so so I did it, and then yeah, it just it sort of went from there really. So it was. It was it was a nice one to do, yeah. and also as well the reason I the reason I wrote it this is one of the main reasons I wrote it as well. I'll give you a little anecdote. I um <laughs> I played <laughs> I played Snow White Snow White in um a panto a few years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, got cast as Snow White herself. And um, it was the producer. She she was amazing. She was like, yeah, I just want like she was like, I just want a feisty woman to play princess and I was like great I can totally do that right and I just I remember some things it was like you know it was quite it was like an older script and it would be like um Snow White comes on sweeping and I'd be like I'd look at scripts I go I was like does she have to I was like does she have to like and I think I can I was like can she not be banging in a nail or something do you know what I mean like just let's switch up a little bit here um so I got to do that kind of bit but then I I got um when you do shows and stuff you do that they do like production shots obviously like same as in comedy yeah and um I got an I got an email like a few weeks in after the production shots had been um put out mm. from um another member of like the um the creative team i won't go too much into it but <laughs> he um he basically wrote this really long email about the, f- the fact that my face wasn't and i'll use the words princessy enough wow yeah so he said and this was like this was like cc'd like all of the other creators in produced all this kind of stuff oh. and i was only like 23 24 at the time and um at the at the bottom, he said, "This, so, you know, I don't think you're really portraying the princess side of things." And then he said, um, "Please see attached," and the attached was pictures of my face on the stage. And I look back at that moment, yeah. and I remember reading it at the time, and I cried, but I didn't do anything about it. I I thought it was my fault. I was like, oh my goodness, like, you know, I need to be better. I need to try and change this because, you know, in acting, you get directions, right? You get, sure, yeah. you get directed. But now I was like, if that happened to me now, I would be bowling in there being like, you know, you wouldn't, I, you, I, you wouldn't be able to say that now anyway, because mm. what constitutes a princess in life anyway? Do you know, it's just absolutely wild. So I think I've had that in my head ever since. Right. So I was like, right, here we go. <laughs> Now's the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. do you know so, so it's things like that they, they just sort of stick with you so that was that was another sort of um, yeah that's another reason why I wrote the song that's wild isn't it so a tiny corner of that song at the back of your mind <laughs> is a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that exactly it's like, oh, look at me now <laughs> 
fifth princess here now for you. <laughs> wow. Love, I love that. So what about surprises? I mean, we've got two layers here because when you start doing comedy 2017, 2018, and it's... Yeah. I'm going to go and do stand-up. I'm going to do musical comedy. I'm going to stand out there alone. I'm not on an ensemble cast anymore. Yeah. What expectations did you have? What surprises did you find? And then also, let's take that forward a few years. And then you say, oh, I'm going to go and audition for BGT. What expectations and surprises came there? Yeah, I think think when I first started, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. Um, I think it's when you first start out, you... Well, I can only speak for myself as well, but Mm. I... You're so... You're so... All your brain is thinking about is those five minutes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you're like sat in that room and it could be like, you know, when you first start out, there could be like 75 other comics doing five minutes at the same <laughs> yeah. time. You couldn't listen to one sentence that anyone, <laughs> anyone else has said. You're just sitting on the chair going, right, okay, okay I'm going to do this, they're going to do this, they're going to do this, then maybe they'll laugh here, but maybe they won't. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things you, you start to learn is that you need to listen to what's happening in the room mm. in order to make yourself sort of relevant. And that's something that I love, you know, you have to do later on. It's like, you, you can't, you need to embrace what everyone is saying in the room rather than just what you're doing. Mm. Because I remember when I first started, like, say I had a bit of material about a certain something and then someone would come on before and say something very similar. Right. I would not reference it and then just say sort of like the same thing. And then you're like, no, you need to reference what someone else has said. Otherwise it, you know, you yeah. need to, you need to incorporate them both because it means that you're not, you're not present in the room. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, that was one of the surprises that I had. Um, another surprise that I had was sort of, I guess sort of realizing as well that like trying to pick yourself up after a gig doesn't go quite so well. Right. Do you know, that was one of, that was one of the things that is, you know, now it's like, well, that happened. We move, we move. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> but at the time, you know, you go, God, why? You, like, asking yourself the question, like, why did that work yeah. yesterday? Yeah. And why didn't that work today? And also, as well, sort of doing your homework, I think, is really important. Like, when, you, when you're traveling up and down the country, mm. you know, you need to be relevant to everybody. And so I think that that that's something that you really have to learn and you realise that it's an actual integral part. You're not just rocking up and doing your 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. You have to make sure that you are, that people can, whilst you're still being yourself and you're still sticking to yourself and being, you know, what you are as comedy, I think you need to be, like, aware of what the world is like around that place and, mm. and sort of making them, when you first step out, up, step out on stage... Because they might, they've probably, if they're going to see a comedy show that you're in, if they've not heard of you before, they've probably Googled you. Yeah. So why shouldn't you, yeah. like, get get knowledge about where you're going as well? Do you know? I think it's like a, it's just a two-way street. So I think that's something as well that I've learned. Yeah. Um, in terms of Britain's Got Talent, um, do you know what? I think in the grand scheme of things, it was, there were no massive surprises for me. Okay. Which I think is good. There was some slight, I had a few bits of anxiety here and there, but obviously because it was just the the unknown. But I think yeah. it was, it came at a time where I was sort of, I was prepared for it. Um, mm. Like everything up to that point, I think sort of made me ready for what I was, I was going to do. For example, I know it sounds slightly odd, but <laughs> I was just thinking back when I was, when I was doing it, it was even, even little things like, um, 
little things like um, working in front of a camera mm-hmm. or working on a film set. Yeah. So I'd done some TV and adverts up until that point. So the cameras didn't phase me. Right. I'd also, a few years ago, done a singing competition for the BBC, like very early on, um, mm-hmm. which, um, well, it happened. But... <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny as well, it was before I ever started comedy, so Rob Beckett was... Um, was hosting it but I just look at myself and I go god that's that's wild like you had no idea what was coming for you in the next few years like there was you just and the thing is as well like at that time I never really was just like a singer right. and I and again it just both both that one and this and just sort of it just sort of happened and I didn't like that one I don't remember it just came through my agent she's like oh do you want to go for it I was like yeah sure I just send a tape of me singing and then I just like they were like, yeah, so you're through, and I was like, through to what? And they were like, oh, you're through to the show, and I was like, I'm so totally not prepared for this. So I think doing a doing a reality TV show in a sense, right. I'd already done it, so I sort of knew about the waiting around process, the long days, yeah. the um, the interviews, because I remember when I done when I did that one, the BBC one, I came off stage and I was so sort of overwhelmed by the fact that I'd just done that and it had been filmed and all this kind of stuff. And I remember the woman was asking me questions and I hadn't got through to the next part and there was a camera on me straight away and she was like, you've got anything, like, how do you feel? And I was, I literally had no words in my mouth. I was like, I'm so sorry, I, I, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. So that experience when I was doing BGT, I was like, okay, now I know that the cameras are going to be there all of the time. So you're always performing. Yeah. You might look like you're being natural, but you know, you know, um, you know that they can use absolutely everything. Like I think in the beginning of my VT, right on the first one, I tripped over as I came yes. into the room. <laughs> yes, which was all Weirdly, natural. I remember that. Yeah, but <laughs> but then but then it's that all of the other things come to play. It's like. I know that the cameras are rolling. I know they're probably going to use that footage because it's funny. So you need to yeah. own it and make it a bit rather than being like, oh, well, that's really embarrassing because they they can use that too. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. as soon as the cameras are on, you're, you're, you're making sure that everything that you're doing is like, it is a choice to an extent, but also if something does happen that you didn't mean to, you need to, you need to own it straight away. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think all of these things. And then before the live semifinals, I'd done this morning. I'd done an interview for this morning live and they'd asked me to write a song for it. Um, I'd, I'd had to sing live on TV, which I'd never done before. So then doing the British Got Talent semi-finals mm. where I sang live, I'd like, right, I was like, right, I've done it already. Therefore, it's not... I think had I not done that before and then I was, I was doing it for the first time, then that, those nerves would have set in. So it's all of these things that sort of built up. The only thing that was a massive surprise to me were like those in-ears that you have to wear when you do music. That right, was my yeah. one, I was so terrified because you don't like, <laughs> when you're when you're rehearsing all, like you only come, you come in on the day and you rehearse. Yeah. Oh, you rehearse like once, like once. You have like a 10 minutes, 15 minute spot on the stage, like a few days before to go through your bit, right. which is, I'm quite glad that I kept things quite minimal because, you know, if I had a big sort of like background things going on behind me, I don't think I would have been able to cope. It was just, I was like, no, I just want me, you can lately. That's it. That's, that's it. Um, yeah. Although I would, I would have liked a firework. I keep thinking though, I look back, I was like, that would have been nice to have a bit of a, like a pyrotechnic, but no, we move. Um, but I, um, yeah, the in is you've got this like sort of, they're all talking in your ears. So like, we're ready to go three, two, one. And then you have this man like counting in the track, like three, two, one, go. And then you, 
you can mainly just hear the metronome. Right. But I was completely new to that whole experience. Mm. It was like in the Hammersmith Apollo, it's huge. So that was quite daunting. And when you're there on the day, you, you're not allowed anyone with you. Mm. No one like from your from your side. Right. So they can just, they come and watch the show, but you're you're on your own. Mm. So that was my one thing. I had no one really in the mm. audience. Um, throughout the day when I was rehearsing to be like, actually that was that, that was out of time right. or you were quite, you, you know, you didn't quite hit that bit. Mm. So that was the only thing that I was like terrified. And I remember this just like bizarre moment yeah. where I was super, <laughs> super worried <laughs> just before the show. I think it was like about an hour before the show went live. And I was like, I don't know if it's loud enough in my ears. I need to, I need to just recheck. So I was like, I had this amazing, this amazing guy called Charlie. He was like my go-to, like the whole thing. He's just like the most beautiful human ever. I was like, I was like, I really, I said, I'm, I'm totally not a diva. But I really need to just make sure that this is fine. <laughs> so I was just sat worried watching diversity rehearse yeah. on the stage. Just, <laughs> and I, they were doing their whole routine. And it's obviously the most amazing routine. I remember just sitting there like, I can't even appreciate this because I'm so terrified that my it is aren't going to work. But it was all fine. They sorted it out. And it was, and it was great. But I just, I, I'll have that memory sort of etched in my brain for a long time. So yeah, I think the surprises, the surprises came yeah. with, Britain, with Britain's Got Talent. But um, there were, a f- there were a few days that I was sort of running up to semi-finals that it is that sort of like, it's live. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's live. Mm. So it, anything could happen but as soon as I got out on stage I was like right we've just got to go and do this yeah. and it's two and a half minutes and then it's going to be over so you might as well enjoy yourself <laughs> do you know what I mean you might as well enjoy it because it's never going to happen again so yeah. you mentioned that when you're doing the VT where you tripped obviously mm. and then you made a point of the fact that they can use that because it's funny so you're basically doing a little bit of improv and adding that into the show. Always working, always, always working, working. So... always always creating. <laughs> so where does improvisation come into your sets when you're performing in the, the Friday night clubs? You've written a song. Are you able to add in those local references? Are you Do you do last minute rewrites? Yeah. Do you stop mid-song and address the thing in the room? Always, absolutely always. And that's something that's come with, with time. Mm. Obviously, I think at the beginning... I was like, right, go on, do my stuff, and then leave. Whereas now, recently, I've been doing, I'm doing, doing quite a lot more emceeing, which I love, mm-hmm. um, and that obviously helps with improv greatly. Yeah. Um, and like, there was a, there's a, I did a gig literally two days ago, and I was, I just started, I started my start. That it's one of the like. You know, sometimes there's some gigs you do and you just feel incredibly free and you realise I've actually not said much of my material because everything I say, I'm then sort of referencing it back to the audience or someone I'm not afraid of. I can see someone's reaction if I say something, so I'll call the re- the reaction out and then talk about that. Yeah. Um, but I started singing right at the end and there was just a point where I stopped to say a punchline. There was a woman texting on her phone, so I called her out on it and I said, are you right? Is everything okay? Um, so I made like a big <laughs> bit of that. And then I started singing again and then she looked at her phone again. Um, so I stopped and then this, I, I, I haven't done it often, but it's something I really want to do is I just on the spot wrote a song about her being on her phone. And... <laughs> And I was like, I really enjoyed that. That was great. Um, so, so yeah, I think doing sort of on the spot improv, I'm I'm trying to more and more maybe incorporate that into the music side of things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be too long, but I think it's just something again something else that um, it's nice to have um, 
it's nice to have moments when you're in a comedy club that like sort of it's just you and them experience um and yeah i think i find it difficult not to reference things that happen in the room like if something happens i can't carry on Mm. and i do believe that's down to when i became a teacher because (laughs) you're like you're like batting off 30 heckles yeah. A de- like 30 heckles <laughs> yeah. for six hours a day. And you have to, like, your reactions ha- and your instincts have to be just, like, razor sharp. Do you know what I mean? Because otherwise you wouldn't get through a day. Yeah. You have to make sure that they're sat listening. Um, and so, like, like yesterday, um, I did an amazing uh, charity gig at Bristol Old Vic last night. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, I started singing and this guy in the rafters just sneezed. <laughs> like in the perfect moment like it was like a beat and then he sneezed so I just looked straight up and just went very quietly bless you and it got like and it's just that smallest thing it's not even funny but the fact that you referenced it in the room it got a round of applause do you know what I mean but only because you haven't ignored it everyone heard it I think there's that there's really funny there's a really funny video of um have you seen it of um of like an orchestra and the there's like a big silence and then I think someone does like a big symbol right. and a, a man in the audience like screams like because he jumps. <laughs> I have not. I want, now I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good. But you can see when the conductor just like sort of turns around and starts laughing because it's like you need to, and that's, that's the thing as well. It's like, it's about yeah. being present. Do you know what I mean? It's about being present. It's about being in the room. Don't get me wrong. There are some gigs that you do that, you know, our brains are beautiful things, but our brains change on a daily basis. And sometimes our brains doesn't want to play ball and that's fine. Um, but so sometimes there will be days that I feel like I've just you know you come off stage and you go I sort of just like I sort of went through my material there but that sort of gives you a bit of a wake up call but yeah I think I think it's it's been definitely in the like the last two years that mm. I've I've been really working on that side of things and making sure that like you know you're talking to the audience and you're not afraid of the audience and you're letting them in yeah. which is again my style of comedy as well because I'm like conversational so I think if you're doing that, then you need to invite them in, really. Otherwise, yeah. you're just having a conversation with yourself. So, <laughs> What about um, the nerves and the anxiety? When you mentioned BGT, you said you were, yeah. you were nervous about the earpieces, but not for yourself, for your material. Do you get anxiety before going on stage? I, I do get nervous, but um, I was once told, he's have like an, uh, an acting teacher, um, when I was at school and he said to me once he was like you should be nervous or you should be nervous that you're not nervous and I've, that's always stuck with me because I like I think there's a difference between like confidence and not being aware of what you're about to do because I think sometimes if you go on stage and you're like ah yeah and no, I'm good I'm good for me personally if I'm like that then I can start to get a bit lazy and I'm not on the ball whereas like right. when I'm on the side of the stage I do like, I, like sort of pump myself up and I go right come okay let's go do you know what I mean and that, and that you, I suppose yeah. you could argue that's the sort of nerves in itself um mm. but I I when I do the music um I tend to be sort of I don't know I tend to be less nervous when I do the music which is strange because um you have mm. to get the words right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> the songs I do are so quick. Mm. If I f- if I fluff up a word, then mm. it's it's slightly more difficult to um, cover it. 
Right. Do you know what I mean? Because my the beat of the song is still going. <laughs> so yeah. I can't be like, oh, I'll just, I'll just calm it down and just talk about something else. I have to go with the beat of the music. Mm. Um, but I tend to, I tend to, I tend to not get as nervous for that bit, but I think that's, um, I, I guess that's probably because I've been, maybe because I've been singing longer than I've been doing comedy. That could be why. Yeah. Probably. Um, but I think I think nerves are good. I think if you channel in them, I've, I've definitely had times in my life where I've let nerves get the better of me. And <laughs> you're like, what was the point? You know, and the funny thing is as well, I always find with anything creative mm. is we put ourselves through this and we go, oh, I'm so nervous. And it's like the only person who has put yourself in that situation is you. <laughs> no one else has told you to do this. Like no one's gone, you you must do this, otherwise you can't see tomorrow. You know, you've gone, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. So then yeah, be nervous. That's great. But there's no point being like, oh, I can't do this. Cause it's like, well, you've got yourself here. So <laughs> it's only you to blame. So you're going to be doing it anyway. So you might as well, might as well enjoy the experience. But I think nerves are all part of it. You know, when you get something big, there are going to be nerves, you know, like I remember the first time I did a charity gig at the comedy store mm-hmm. and it was like, um, me. And then I was in between Sean Walsh and Ramesh Ranganathan. And I was like, <laughs> literally was like oh my gosh this is i i'm terrified um but then you know also you've got so i was terrified but then i was also like you know you can do this you've been booked you're here for a reason you need to now show why you're here do you know what i mean and so it was it was terrifying but also learning experience amazing to um meet incredible comedians and to be on stage with them and then sort of feeling like to yourself right i'm in this industry i'm you know, I've not been in it as long, but it. Everyone has their first steps. Everyone has their firsts, and then so you're just on. You need, sometimes you just need to just focus on yourself, and that's something that I've learned in recent years as well. Is just just worry about you because, in terms of like social media now and everything, you could spend days looking at everyone else's successes <laughs> and being like. <laughs> how am I going to do that? But then think about how many hours you're wasting of sending emails and sending clips and trying to get yourself your next gig by looking at other people and what they've done. And, and I think you just need to be happy that like always happy. Like what am I trying to say here? Like not comparing yourself to other people. I, I just, I think it's, I love watching other people's successes. I love watching people smash it. I think it's the best thing in the world because you want everyone to do well. You don't want just yourself to do well. Otherwise, I mean, that's a bit boring, isn't it? So mm. I think it's it's focusing it's focusing on yourself and and being part of something rather than comparing yourself constantly. Yeah, that's very profound, isn't it? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so lockdown. I often ask people about their lockdown experience, but I know something of your lockdown experience because you were active on social media scoring 200,000 plus views with your performances online. So did that change your perspective Yeah. in terms of live performance versus online performance? Did it help you make new decisions about what you're going to do going forward? I actually, yeah. So I, I didn't have a great, I didn't have a great lockdown. I really didn't. Like people were saying, you know, oh, it was great. I wrote, I did this, I did that. I was like, I was in a pit of despair um, oh. because I, 
I'm very like active. All of my jobs mm. in my twenties. So basically, I was I was I was doing comedy. I just started doing comedy, basically. So I was like, it was when lockdown happened. I I had all my sort of like firsts booked in. You know, like sort of. Um, I had all my first trial spots booked in for sort of the bigger clubs. Yeah. So obviously they all got cancelled. So that's where I was in terms of the comedy. I'd just done a TV programme for Sky. Um, and then I was working in a restaurant as well. So I worked in restaurants like um, all of my 20s, shock, actress working in a restaurant. But again, <laughs> you're on your feet. You're on your feet all day. Yeah. I'd be working all day and then going to gigs in the evening, um, going to auditions, doing this, doing that, doing the other. And I know it's the same, you know, my story is boring like it's the same as so many people we're all in the same boat mm. but I I lost my job really early on so I wasn't furloughed or anything and then I was in that bracket of people who wasn't because I was doing PAYE and performing I didn't earn enough to warrant the um what's it called you know the the, the grants that yeah. they gave to other people so all of a sudden I was like what what am I supposed to do so I had like sort of I had sort of a few months, um, but I, I saw at that point, I started doing like reels and stuff all the way back then. And they started to get a bit of traction yeah. and that kind of thing. So I, I put on that more and then I did some more sort of like COVID songs, which got loads of views, which was great. So I was really, I was really enjoying that side of things. Um, I, what, what is it about social media? I don't know. I find it, I, I don't understand TikTok. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm really trying and I'm really trying. I, I'm not too good at like sort of being really natural. You know, sometimes people, some people are amazing at sort of like doing blogs, walking down the street. Do you know what I mean? Like so if I try and film myself talking down the street, as soon as I saw it, as soon as I see someone walking the other way, I have my phone away. I like, I can't talk. I feel incredibly embarrassed. Um, but no, Social media was good during lockdown and it, I think it gave me a sort of, it gave, like many people, it gave me a sort of release mm. and it sort of made me feel like I was, I was doing something. Because I remember at the time as well, I was, um, I was living with, um, I was living with a best mate um, and an ex-partner and um, they both were working from home. So like every morning they'd like open their laptop and so I'd get up and I'd like open my laptop too. <laughs> I'd be like, right, what am I going to do today? Duolingo. Um, so, so yeah, no, it was, it was, it's quite a learning curve during lockdown. But then, like I said, so I, I, I went into start, started working in schools really like in the September. Yeah. So that gave me a, that gave me a purpose that gave me, I had to leave every day and like be in school every day. There was no remote learning unless someone in the class got COVID and then you'd be off for two weeks. But it was like, it was full on. So, um, I think that sort of like gave me, gave me the confidence. And it also sort of, it took me a while to get back into the swing of things, I think really as well, because, you know, um, like teaching, you know, having full-time jobs, yeah it is it is hard sometimes to balance it and so it's taken me a while to actually get back to you know gigging as much as I want and that kind of thing and now it's 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 getting there which is amazing and I feel really happy about how it's all going but I think it has taken me a few years which is the same for everyone and it's like it's fair enough as well do you know what I mean like cost of living crisis life's expensive yeah. you know we need to make sure that we can still feed ourselves and follow a dream so you have sometimes you have to be realistic about these things and so it wasn't like a oh I can't do this because like I said I, I I've really enjoyed learning how to be a teacher and I do think it's helped you know lots of comedians are ex-teachers and I think it has sort of like helped 
that side of things as well so yeah. so yeah it's been it's been a it's been a it's been a journey um but it's 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 feeling good now yeah. which is good so you britain's got talent big television competition mm-hmm. but you've done other competitions so you were nominated at last year's musical comedy awards yes long, long listed in funny women year before how do you feel about competitions in general i think competitions are i think competitions are good i think again experiences i've had it's something it's something when um it's something to work towards i think <laughs> do you know i think it's something that you can you can um you can hone your set and it's it's a way of it's a way of showing what you can do and being recognised for it as well. Um, mm-hmm. I did what was the say so you think you're funny, which is great, and that was like you know when you can when you do that, it's that's obviously for new acts. Mm-hmm. So that giving you, I got to, I got to the semi finals with that one. So it's like you know that gives you an opportunity as a newer act to go to Edinburgh and to perform at the Gilded Balloon and like do you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's that's a that's a huge thing. That's sort of like an insight into the world. Um, Musical comedy awards. I love musical comedy awards, but that's it's also about perseverance as well. Yeah. And I think that's that as a comic is something that you have to learn like straight away. You know, you have to be be able to persevere. Otherwise, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? Of doing? You have to pick yourself back up. So I think I did musical comedy awards like um, I did musical comedy awards like four years in a row, mm-hmm. and like first two times didn't make it through. Third time got through to the semis. And then the final time got through to the finals. Do you know? So then you can see that progression and you can see like, right, you know, I've earned my stripes. This is, I'm, I'm getting better. Do you know what I mean? So I think, I think competitions, I think competitions are good. My experiences with them have been good. Yeah. Do you find that when you're, you're competing against your peers, do you find yourself, I don't think that you do because you don't strike me as that kind of personality, but do you, do you sort of find yourself because you're in competition thinking, Oh, well, I would have done that better or I'd have taken that from a different perspective or something. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, no, that's not, that's not how my brain works. I don't think maybe I should be more like, no, 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 I don't think so. No. Do you do you watch comedy? Yeah, you're able to sit down and enjoy comedy without dissecting it and comparing yourself. Um, yeah, I can. I I just think that like, I don't know. I I think I am. I like. I want to, everyone to do well. Oh no, that doesn't sound right. What am I trying to say here? Um, I think it goes back to what I said before about sort of you know worrying about yourself. You can see mm. and appreciate when a joke works. And then, yeah, you can also see as well when a joke doesn't quite work or that kind of thing. But I would never, I don't know, I think when I, when you're doing a competition or that kind of thing, I, I want to, I would want to win something being the best of the best. So if I'm in, if I'm literally sitting in a room about to do a competition, I am making sure that when I get up on stage... I am trying to do my best in what I've written. Like I said, knowing what's going on in the room, taking it all in. Whereas if I'm sitting there and going, actually, what you've just done up there doesn't quite work, how on earth is that going to make my set any better? Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Is that valid? Yeah. I don't know. Valid, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. It's Thank beautiful. So you said about you wanting to perform. You said about you wanting to do singing and comedy. Yeah. You sing about taking actions and fulfilling dreams. 
are you living your dream? Do you know what? I would say at the moment, I'd say I am. Obviously, there could be more money in the bank. (laughs) 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 But I honestly, I truly believe that like as... I think I said this on Brisbane's Hannah, but I do always say it. Like, as long as you've got, like, a little bit of burning desire, if you've still got that, like, you just need to keep on going. And when I was, like, 21, I've always had... I always think, like, I've always wanted to be on stage and I've always wanted to do that. And I think over the years, I've now realised that, like, I just want to be working in comedy and the arts full-time. So I haven't, like... But but what that is can be lots of different things. Mm. So like I said, I, I teach music. That's mm. in, that's that's in the arts. So that's one section of the arts. And mm. in the evenings, I go and tell comedy. That's another section of the arts. And so I think now I can see for the first time ever, I can see. Hopefully, <laughs> we look back in two years and it's like, yeah, she's <laughs> she's packed it all in. <laughs> I can see everything up to this point it seems it's hopefully it seems to be working itself out because like you know I I do think I've you know when when you leave when you leave drama school because I have like been in that industry from an early age um you sort of like you think that well I thought when I left I was like right that's it I'm gonna be in a West End show I'm gonna smash it and it never it, it didn't happen that way and I'm a so glad that it didn't because I've had the most incredible experiences from it. But also at the same time, I think like there must be a reason why I'm still doing this because life would have been life would be so much easier yeah. if I had have done something different. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it is it is hard work yeah. and you do make sacrifices. But it's like I said before. I have put myself in this situation. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No one else, no one else has made me do it. So it's that thing of, you know, sometimes you go, oh, you know, it's really hard. It's this, that's the other. You've got the decision. Mm. So if you, if you're putting yourself into that situation, then you have to make the best out of it because yeah. it's no one else is going to do it for you. And I think that's something I've realized as well. It's like, you have to put in all of the work. You can't, you can't sit on your laurels and wait for someone else to do it for you mm. because while you're doing that, someone else is getting ahead of you by doing, by being more proactive. But that's, again, that's taken time. In my 20s, I just sort of like, oh, my age is not getting me any auditions. <laughs> I was like, why aren't you doing anything about it? Do you know what I mean? Be better. Be better. <laughs> you know, but so I'm finally getting to the point where, um, where I am sort of getting to where what I want to be. I, I'm not there yet. I've got a lot of work to do and I'm very aware of that. But it is that thing of, you know, training to be a teacher that's allowed me to be a music teacher so it's it's all sort of like coming full circle yeah you know I never I never thought that like I never thought in my 20s I would be a qualified teacher ever like it was completely just like that but then it turns out that you know it's I I do really enjoy it um and again it's something that I've now been able to um I've been able to like fit fit in with performing as well so I can do, I can teach music and then I can go and do something else. Or I can teach something else or that kind of thing. And then I can perform and I can write. And I've got the time to write, which I think before I had, didn't have the time to do. And um, when you're teaching, you've got a class, you, don't, you literally know Monday to Friday and then yeah. all the marking and everything. It is like, it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's all sort of balancing itself out. So we're on the roads, I think. 
But again, it could all it could all change. <laughs> That's the beauty of life. It could change. So yeah, it's just about yeah. just about di- like yeah. feeling good and trying to trying to just enjoy it. So what so far then have been your best and worst gigs? Best and worst. Best and worst gigs. Yeah. Like I said, yesterday was a highlight. Yeah. I did um, for uh, GWAC, which is the Great Western Air Ambulance Service. Mm-hmm. I did a charity gig for them at Bristol Old Vic. And like we were saying about sort of, you know, being in the room yeah. and just being present and just being relaxed and just loving it. There was like, you know, that's like Bristol Old Vic is like incredible. Never been able to perform there. Mm. And so as we were talking about nerves as well, I just decided to say, and I was like, right, let's just, I'm just really looking forward to this. Do you know what I mean? I'm really looking yeah. forward to going out there and seeing what happens. And like for the first time, sort of, you know, I was well, I was wait, I, I put a pause in on purpose to try and get a heckle. Do you know what I mean? Like there was a joke mm-hmm. I was making and I was like, right, I want to see if anyone shouts it out. And I've never, and I could just notice myself doing things that like I've not done as much before. And I just, I just loved it. It was just great. So that was an amazing one. And, mm. And I do think as well, like this year, like as as I said to you before, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be in West End shows and that kind of thing. Mm. And then, yeah. um, ironically, this year, well, when I did the Bristol Talent Audition, it was on the Palladium stage, Bristol Ludwig yesterday, and the Hammersmith Apollo. So like in my in my beautiful weird co- comedy way, I've done it. I've done it. I can tell <laughs> seven-year-old me that she did it doing her own stuff. So that's like that's like a beautiful thing. Um, I I've had some what musical comedy awards final was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm starting to ever see more, and I'm really enjoying those and sort of learning that side of yeah. things as well. Um, worst gigs, I mean. <laughs> Where do we start? Uh, <laughs> there's one that always sticks out in my mind. Um, where I think it was just after COVID had fin- finished, and it's still going, isn't it? But like just after sort of the, like the main lockdowns had finished, yeah. and I'd had like sort of like a personal thing happen, so I probably wasn't in the best mindset. And I think sometimes again with comedy, I think it's okay sometimes to say, actually, do you know what? I don't think I can do this this week because I'm not feeling. 100% you know but yeah. because we want the gigs and stuff we go no I'll just do it anyway and so I was in I was in Essex which is obviously where I'm from so I was like oh my god that's gonna be great when I say the twi- I didn't get a laugh 20 minutes right <laughs> <laughs> and I just as soon as I got out on stage I just knew that I didn't feel like I wasn't I wasn't in the room I just wasn't doing well. I could feel myself sucking the energy out of the room and I could see like these, it was, it was a really big room and although all the tables obviously spaced mm. out and I could just see and no one was get like sort of connecting with what I was saying. And then I got so like sort of nervous and in my own head that my microphone hand started to like shake. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, when you just like get, get me off stage, get me off stage. And then right at the end, this man just like looked at his watch to look for the time and I was like okay this is awful and I got off I got off the stage and then obviously you know pretended that oh yeah I love that that was so great and then um um and then I went outside to wait for my cab back to the station and this woman came up to me it was in the audience she went oh so what do you normally do (laughs) 
And when I tell you that was like a dagger in my heart, I was like, oh, I'm trying to do this. But I just tried to get, get the taxi and don't cry, don't cry. But then it's, that's the thing, it's like inexperience as well. Or not inexperience, but being at the, the start of your career, not knowing how to handle it. Mm. It feels to be a bit rubbish sometimes because then it really, that's quite good for, um, for, for giving you a bit of a reality check, mm. you know? If yeah. you're amazing all the time, you probably can't get better. Yeah. That's another profound thing. Look at me. I'm going to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, which brings me neatly to the next question because um, yes. I like to ask people from all the lessons that they've learned what philosophies they've developed. But you've been philosophical throughout. So I feel like we've oh, covered it. We have, haven't we, actually? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I've just started reading Steve Martin's book, actually, hmm. um, which I love Steve Martin. I think it's just amazing. And the fact that he plays banjo is just, like, yeah. iconic. <laughs> um, can I remember what the book's called? No. Um, but you can, you can, guys can check it out online. It's very good. Abby, how can we find out about you, where we can come and see you perform? Um, so you can come and see anything on Instagram and TikTok. So it's at Abby Carter Simpson. I'll say that again because um, I slipped on my own teeth uh, there. So <laughs> it's... At Abby Carter Simpson UK for Instagram and TikTok. Um, at Abby Carter Simps for Twitter, although I don't really use, or oh, sorry, X, but I don't really use that anymore, to be honest. Um, and if you want to come see me, if you just um, go onto my Instagram, I have a new website pending, um, but it's not um, finalised just yet. But if you go onto Instagram, um, I'll have all my list of shows. I'm also starting my own comedy night on um every second Wednesday of the month um, so it's called the Laughing Lock Comedy Club and it's going to be at the Canal Cafe in Warwick Avenue which is just near Paddington Station so if you want to come and see some fab comedians and me hosting and telling jokes then please come along um, and so finally how Abby would you sum up comedy in a nutshell comedy in a nutshell um, expressive wild fun I'm just doing words, aren't I? Um, I could form a sentence, Abby. Full sentences, please. Yeah. Um, I think comedy is a beautiful, expressive art form that um, brings people together, divides people's opinions. Um, and the fact that comedy is subjective, like so many different art forms, I think is a beautiful thing. And I also... Um, I love the fact that you can be like Marmite to people. Like some people think that, you know, the best thing ever and other people go, absolutely not for me. Um, because it means that the world is a colourful place, do you know? Um, and I also think comedy is a brilliant escapism. It's given me a purpose for a purpose for creating and a purpose for parts of life. Mm. So it's something that should be celebrated and perspectives it's also just a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> Abby it's been an absolute joy thank you so much I did, that was exactly what I knew it was going to be so thank you <laughs> <laughs>